You guys, welcome to episode 126 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives into the well-known, or more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality television stars, and occasional movie star, and musician, and sports ball player, um, and porn star. It's me, Nick Nolte. This is a Nick Nolte kind of day, just so you know. Um, first of all, how are you? I haven't seen you uh, alone in two weeks, so I'm very excited about this. It's just me and you, just a couple of gals and some cough drops. <laughs> the trouble we could get into. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys, I wanted to do something a little bit different today for several reasons, actually. The number one reason being just because I want to, and this is my podcast and I can do what the hell I want. This is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time, but I didn't really necessarily know how I wanted to go about it. Um, just in the sense that like some of these relationships, yes, by the way, we are talking about multiple relationships today. Just I, calm down. I know. Calm down. Don't freak out. Sit down. Put that knife away. We're going to be fine. We are talking about multiple relationships today. And these are not relationships that I necessarily felt ne- like it would be necessary to give like a whole hour to. Most of them I couldn't fathom giving an hour to. Like I couldn't even imagine what that would look like. Um, and then some of them I have given an hour to some of these couples I have already talked about, but I talked about them like, you know, a year or two years or three years ago. And my relationship to them has completely changed. I mean, my relationship to celebrity just in the past year has changed so drastically. I feel like 2019 was my like Ronan Farrell year. You know what I mean? Like that was the year that I discovered what Hollywood is really about. And um, there's a lot of stuff that I've, I've a lot of like information that I've given in the past that I look back on and I like cringe a tiny bit because I'm like, oh God, I would say that so differently now. Such is life though, whatever. You know what I mean? But neither here nor there, there are a handful of couples that we're going to be talking about today that I have covered and I just feel like I need to right some wrongs. So I figured why not group these people into like a BuzzFeed list and just go down them, you know, and lean in. We're talking today about fake celebrity PR relationships. (laughs) And, you know, they, some of these are, most of them are alleged. I mean, all of them are, come on. Nobody admits to being in a fake relationship. Most of these are alleged, but I mean, do a little bit of digging on the internet and you'll find that there are millions and millions of people who feel the same way that I do about most of these couples. Some of them are controversial. Um, Some of them are just stupid and dumb and fun. And uh, I'm saving the best one for last. So like really, really, if you're listening to this episode in increments, like throughout the the day or whatever, like, you know, after work, you're going to really have a, a nice special treat at the end of the episode. Um... Reason number two that I wanted to do this is because I'm actually, I haven't been allowed in my apartment um, for the past day, so I had to kind of get creative with how I was going to do this episode. I was forced to be creative, and I actually was, like, really excited about it because this is fun, and it opens up a door, like, an avenue to do this again in the future, some sort of different, uh, different, like, main topic. The reason, by the way that I haven't been allowed inside my apartment is unfortunately going to swerve you into a ditch. So I apologize in advance for the damage done to your vehicle, but you will, there will be some sort of fender bender that occurs right now, just so you know. Last night, 
I'm laying in bed, headphones on, and I'm watching my illegally downloaded movie in the dark, like I'm minding my business, really being a gentleman. And I hear this like click clanking next to me that I realize is not a part of the movie. And for the longest time, I thought it was a sound in the movie, but then I thought, that's not in the movie, that's like next to my arm. Now, mind you, I've told you guys in the past that this building that I live in is from like 1910, all kinds of weird ghostly shit happens here, and that's usually that's usually what it is. Some weird occurrence that I can't explain that I'm so used to at this point that I don't I don't even care. Like I'm pretty sure an old hag lives in my building and I just like don't care anymore. She like helps me bring my groceries in. Hand to God, I look over and I see on my nightstand a plate that I sat there maybe an hour before with a chicken bone on it. But the chicken bone is, like, moving. (laughs) Like, it's, like, lifting off the plate, and I can't see why. I'm like, what's going on? And mind you, I'm in the dark. And I can't get up to get to my light because I don't want to... I'm, like, scared. So I turn my flashlight on on my phone, which is, like, honestly probably the worst decision I could have made. Like, a, a silhouette of whatever this thing is that I'm scared of. It is a brown mouse literally eating a chicken wing like holding a chicken wing with its little fingers and like nibbling just feasting on the remnants of this bone I kid you not all of my alter personalities exited my body at the same time I've never had such an outer body experience there were 14 of me running around my room screaming it was (laughs) <laughs> the minute it happened, I, I scared the shit out of the mouse. It jumped off the plate and flew behind my fucking nightstand. So I didn't know where it went. This resulted in me, you know, of course, leaving my room and then going to get a broomstick because I'm a fucking idiot. I go to get a broomstick and I'm like standing in the doorway and just like poking at shit because I don't know what else to do. So I'm like poking at shit and waiting to see if it moves. I did that for about an hour. I never saw the mouse again. And then I called my landlord and said, I will not. I will not live in this death trap until you come here and set some kind of traps or do something. I want the whole place fumigated or whatever. So long story short, I had to get creative with how I was going to do this week's episode because it really derailed what I was planning on doing. And I'm happy that it happened in a sense. (laughs) Because this is really fun. This is this was fun to do. So, and I also want to be clear in saying that I'm not like, these are not confirmed to be fake. Like, let's, like, let's just do this now. These are not confirmed to be fake relationships. These are relationships that I suspect, suspect to be fake given what I've read. As mentioned previously, my relationship to fame in the past year, to fame and celebrity and pop culture in general has really changed um, I feel like this podcast has really forced me to to take the red pill, if you know what I mean. And now that I'm on the other side, I feel a need to um, correct maybe some of the, what I perceive to be false information that I've given on this podcast. Like, I don't feel good about it, you know? And it's not because I did it maliciously, I just didn't know. So we are starting off hot. We are coming out of the gate blazing. Um... It should come as no surprise that I'm going to start this episode with Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello. I mean, they are 
my go-to reference for a fake PR-driven celebrity relationship. I reference them all the time. I make fun of them and troll them on this podcast constantly. So they're finally going to get what they deserve. This is one of those relationships that is so just unbelievable that I think most people over the age of like 13 just kind of write them off as a non-factor. You know what I mean? They're not like, unless you're like a 12-year-old girl, you're not like standing Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. You know what I mean? Um, actually, I always forget that these two are even dating until I see them doing some sort of sponsored outing where they're like holding a product in clear view and sharing an ice cream cone or something. Um, that are performing one of the songs that they, in quotes, wrote together on an award show. Now, if you ask your 14-year-old niece, like, she'll tell you that Sean and Camilla became close a few years ago while they were both um, on tour with Austin Mahone. Is it Mahone or Mahoney? Ugh, I'm old. Ugh. Um, at the time, Camilla was, you know, obviously with Fifth Harmony. And she told a bunch of interviewers that, you know, she kept to herself most of the time while she was on tour and that Sean was one of the only people uh, who would speak to her. And this is, of course, years after we all discovered that she was truly the Aubrey O'Day of Fifth Harmony and that all the girls hated her um, to the point that they would like physically bully her on stage and stuff and like very unapologetically like roll their eyes while she was talking during interviews and give each other looks and like snicker behind her back like openly, like didn't even try and hide it. Um, so they allegedly wrote a song together called I Know What You Did Last Summer, and this is where the concept of him, like, you know, becoming this, like, Spanish guitar playing, like, vintage bowling shirt wearing, whatever, while she, like, rocks her hips and harmonizes to his sensual ditties, it's where this whole thing was born to the public, which is hysterical to me. Um, in 2019, they released Senorita and sent the tweens truly spiraling because they gave some horribly forced uh, performances on award shows. I think it was the VMAs that they performed that song together. And it was just, it was just like, I can't, you know what I mean? And then they like would link arms and go shopping for little trinkets every day for the paps. And, you know, this stuff, of course, is all happening in tandem with the promo for their music. What are the odds, right? And you guys know, you guys know that I love a blind item. I've, I'll be mentioning blind items a lot during this episode because most of the mainstream media reports on fake PR relationships, um, such as this one, um, in such a bullshit way that I can't bring myself to read it, really. I mean, it's like so hard for me sometimes to constantly have to read this just like this bullshit that these people writing you know that they don't believe it um anyway I read a blind a few weeks prior to Camilla's most recent like old racist tumblr post fiasco where and I don't remember what it what website it was I don't think it was crazy days and nights it was one of the websites um but they basically talked about a PR relationship and that both parties in this relationship desperately wanted to be out of it for different reasons. And that basically when it started, they both had their own, you know, sort of selfish reasons for needing to be in it in the first place. Of course, um, Camilla had a solo project to promote and needed some buzz surrounding it, obviously. And Sean Mendez, I mean, has his own things going on 
that are none of my business because I'm not Perez Hilton in 2002. So they ain't got nothing to do with me. But they basically spoke about the male singer no longer wanting to be associated with the female singer because she is controversial and problematic and says things that like basically are going to get her in trouble. Like alluding to the fact that she still says all this racist shit that she used to say on the internet that she's been told probably not to say anymore. And that he doesn't want to be involved in it. He doesn't want to be associated with it. And he doesn't want it to be a part of his, his image or his brand. He doesn't want to be dragged into it. And then Camilla, of course, um, is actively dating and hooking up with other people. Because why would she not? Like, why would she not be actually dating people that she likes? You know what I mean? Um, and then all of a sudden I wake up and I read that, like, you know, she had this crazy thing happen. TMZ alerts me that... She's basically a racist idiot troll and um, a light bulb went off in my head. Ding, 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 of course. And there's a million, a million, million, million blind items written about Camila Cabello and uh, Sean Mendez. They've been coming out basically since it was announced that they were a couple. But I don't think that you need to read a blind item to know that this isn't real. I don't think many people, like I said, older than like 12 years old, look at these two and think that they're like madly in love. And that's the reoccurring theme throughout these relationships that you'll see. These people are obviously dating who they really want to date behind closed doors, which leads to people speculating about cheating. But the celebrity obviously can't just come out and say, you know, well, technically I'm not cheating because, you know, I have no real interest in Sean Mendez. You can't do that because you've now sold a narrative to the public and made it a part of your image as an entertainer. And, you know, the super, like, bullshit PR machine pushing publications like People Magazine, they eat this shit up. They live, they laugh, they love it. They absolutely adore this kind of news. It's like bullshit Camila Cabello, Sean Mendes news. Like, that is so on brand for a magazine like People. Um, and you're fucked. <laughs> I mean, like, you're fucked. Um... Enough about them. Let's move on to a couple that I have spoken about on the podcast before. We did an entire episode on these two. I want to revisit Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson for a second, if we could. I've obviously, you know, I've talked about Kristen Stewart a lot on this podcast. I'm obsessed with her, as I made very clear. Um, And I actually remember doing that episode in my apartment like the first week that I had moved in and I remember it because the episode sounds like I recorded it in like an empty giant marble room just like not a morsel of padding anywhere but this is one of those couples uh I mentioned earlier that if I could turn back time I would do totally different because you know I wasn't as well versed as I am now I like I don't know I just I, I just would not record that episode at all the way that I recorded it what you know what I'm trying to say I've spent so many fucking hours weeding through quotes and PR statements and statements from publicists that at this point I feel like I can smell bullshit a mile away you know when bullshit is presented to me I can smell it in a way that I wasn't able to smell it before and how foolish of me to think that these two were actually in this like loving relationship like I really felt like they like loved each other and were dating and it's always weird you know it's always a really weird thing when tween fandom crosses paths with 
an adult news cycle. Like when the New York Post is reporting the, sh- the same shit that Teen Beat Magazine is reporting and they're reporting it in the same way. Like that's always a really weird thing that happens. It's fucking creepy actually, kind of. And that's what happened here. When you look at photos of Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson together during this time, do you see two people who are young and in love head over heels? No. <laughs> of course not. You see two people who are very clearly being told what to do and what to say and how to say it. They look miserable having to do press for this franchise. They look like they want to crawl out of their skin. It's literally painful. And we fall for this shit time and time again. Two up-and-coming stars from a giant franchise had such intense chemistry on set that they just couldn't help but fall in love just like their characters in the film. How quaint. Um, Now let's pair that with the cheating scandal that rocked the fucking nation and almost derailed Kristen Stewart's career. She gets caught hooking up with the married director of the film she's working on. And as we spoke about in the episode, you know, she's now forced to go into hiding. And I I said before that I felt like this was her public rock bottom. And it actually, in the long run, ended up being great for her because she was able to kind of strip herself from all of the tween bullshit that was associated with her before. And after this happened, she started, you know, picking roles that actually meant something to her And she wasn't really concerned about, like, what people thought of her anymore. Like, she really was sort of stripped of all that bullshit. Now, was it right that, you know, she had sex with her director who was very clearly married? Um, Of course not. Is it right that this director fucked her as he's at the same time toting his wife around to all these red carpet events and, you know, parties surrounding this movie? Obviously not. But the reason I bring it up is because Robert and Kristen were obviously dating other people. You know what I mean? Rob was just smart enough to not get finger banged in the middle of the day in Central Park. Like, but they're clearly in different relationships. And when Kristen was uh, on Howard Stern, you know, she talked about the fact that she was never technically in the closet. She had always been you know, dating girls since she was pretty young, but I 100% positive that the executives attached to Twilight told her, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, girl, not today. You're dating a boy today. None of that homoerotic stuff. Nuh-uh. Not in this house. No, there's too much money to be made. You know what I mean? And how ironic that she starts dating women literally as soon as this franchise is done with. Let's move on to another couple, and I'll give you the reveal in a minute. I had read Another Blind on a different website, um, again, prior to actually seeing the photos that they were talking about in this blind, about the daughter of this very famous actor being in a PR relationship with this young up-and-coming star who's very hot right now, becoming like a fashion guy and is gorgeous and the gays love him and girls love him. He fits every box and... You know, this is a thing. And in this blind, they basically said, like, you will soon be seeing photos of these two on a fake vacation taken uh, on a yacht in, like, a fake candid moment. 
to basically um, kind of announce their relationship to the public. And people like knew that they were in quotes dating, but this was like, these photos were meant to spread like wildfire. <laughs> um, so cut to a few days later and I am suddenly victim, victim to the most horrifically awkward photos of Timothy Chalamet and Lily Rose Depp. I am not even going to call it kissing. I will lovingly refer to it as just like mouth touching in the most non-intimate moment I think I've ever seen between two people. Just really giving you like eighth grade, seven minutes in heaven, spin the bottle horror show. Horrific. And of course, when you read about this in People Magazine or fucking Snapchat News or whatever, you're going to read Timothy Chalamet and Lily Rose Depp got hot and heavy this weekend in the south of France. The two lovebirds were caught by photographers sharing a little sexy smooch. Timothy was seen snapping a selfie with Depp with his Samsung Galaxy notebook tablet Pixel 17. <laughs> I guess even in the middle of the ocean, you're not safe from the paps. <laughs> like it's just going to be some dumb bullshit that I can't take. I can't take it. Let's move on to Tom Hiddleston and Taylor Swift, shall we? You thought I was going to do a, a, a fake relationships episode and not cover Taylor and Tom. Come on. You know me better than that. Tom and Taylor are very interesting. Interesting because Taylor really, I mean, look, Taylor Swift really does live her life like she's Jigsaw from the movie Saw. Everything is literally an enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash. Much more than Erica Jane, to be honest. Like everything, she's Carmen Sandiego. You can't hold her down. You can't tie her down. You can't pinpoint her. Who knows what she'll do next? But everything is this elaborate maze. And and you guys know that I'm actually in a very good place right now with Taylor. Like this is probably the best we've gotten along in years. It's a little like if you're watching this current season of Real Housewives of New Jersey, me, Taylor and I are in a very like Teresa Danielle place. Like, and I'm I'm Teresa. Like I'm. I'm I'm in a delusional state based on the fact that we're getting along so well and we haven't in years and she was so good to me with 1989 you know what I mean and I don't want to like forget about that and just because you guys aren't her a fan of hers I can't be mean to her because she was so good to me in 19 with 1989 it was she treated me so well she called me every single day so it's hard for me but I'm not delusional like Teresa. Like, I get it. You know what I mean? You also know that I praise Taylor constantly on her ability to control the narrative and control her public image and kind of turn people in the direction that she wants them to turn. I think it's amazing. But that's not to say that she hasn't had some slip-ups. And Tom was a major slip-up. It was a case of leaning in so hard that you fall over on your face. You know what I mean? P.S. I don't even know if that's a real saying, but like, if it's not, can we get that copyrighted? And can we get, um, can somebody get chicken soup for the soul, for the teenage soul on the line so we can get that uh, published quickly? Um, they only dated for three months. And when it was first released to the public that they were in this relationship, most people thought that they were filming a music video together. To which Tom clarified to the, to the press, 
no, 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 no. This is not for a music video. We, we're, this is, we're dating. We're in a relationship. It's a uh, committed relationship. This is not a publicity stunt and we are, this is not just a music video. No, no, it's more than just that we are dating. So, uh, spread the word. Uh, make sure everybody knows this is not a, for a video. We are in a relationship. She's my, my uh, future wife. So people essentially thought that she was like pulling some sort of Beyonce and doing some like performance art a la Lemonade. I don't know where the Beyonce comparisons came in, but there was a lot of that. There were also rumors that Tom was pushing really, really hard to play James Bond. So of course people, you know, kind of questioned it even more. And, you know, they had like the same photo agency following them around the world which means that they were calling them and like alerting them of where they were going to be similar to how Splash News follows all of the Kardashians around and then releases these photoshopped to hell paparazzi shots of them for all of the publications. Can I just say, by the way, I I don't know who Kris Jenner pays. I don't know who she slides money to under the table. But the fact that all of the publications use these photoshopped pictures of the Kardashians for them is insane. And then, God forbid, they don't use a photoshopped picture. Like when they photographed Kim's real ass in Mexico um, and her BBL looked insane because she's tiny and it was hanging over the back of her thighs and she freaked out. Like the fact that we don't, that we see curated pictures pictures of the Kardashians only is wild to me like that actually kind of makes me uncomfortable very black mirror anyway so they had this photo agency following them all over the world and you know there were photos of them kissing on the beach there were photos of them frolicking in the water like literally recreating the pose from the notebook cover um there were photos of him uh, introducing her to his mom in a very like hallmarky kind of way like it, none of it looked natural taylor was photographed wearing an outfit similar to something that she had worn in an with an old boyfriend so of course the swifties like got fucking crazy as they tend to and you know they were like oh she's recreating that moment with her ex for a music video with tom like i don't even know where you would get that from um and then the moment that had all of us collectively cringing as a nation tom was photographed wearing an i heart ts t-shirt and it's also worth noting that taylor's wildest dreams video um is basically she plays a woman in a relationship with this like gorgeous man and they have this very sweeping romance i think they're in like africa or something and at the end of the video, you learn that they were actors and the whole thing was a movie and it was fake. Um, and people make comparisons to the video when they talk about her relationship with Tom. And I'm going to take it one step further, which I, I believe was the whole point of the video. Um, I think that you could say that about most of Taylor's relationships, to be honest with you. I think that that was like some sort of tongue in cheek way of saying like, these have all been fucking bullshit for the most part. I've said this to you before, and I will say it again until I'm dead. I think that when we look back on this time in pop culture, like 40 years from now, I think that Taylor will be known as 
one of Hollywood's most iconic beards slash PR girlfriends. I don't think that we've ever seen anything like a Taylor Swift. And I don't think, you know, it's it's like weird because it's not something that you should be like praised for. But the way that she's done it, I think, is so astounding that it, it actually should, it deserves some sort of recognition because we've never seen anything like it. It's almost like the she's combined what people used to do in like the silver screen era of bearding and having fake relationships. And she's like flipped it and like really made it like modern. Like she's the modern version of a girl who like in the 30s would have dated like Clark Gable. Do you know what I mean? Um, You know, she'll like, not only date you and get you all this press and all this media coverage and people speculating and wanting more and adding you on Instagram and whatever, but she'll also write an entire narrative around your relationship so that people can go on this wild goose chase involving you to figure it out, which means endlessly Googling you and looking up pictures of you and looking at your social media to see if they can find things like just interacting with your shit constantly i mean you can't pay well you can pay for that apparently you can't pay for that kind of media coverage um but it's crazy i mean especially when you look back I, i mean these are the two that i bring up all the time but when you look back on relationships that she had like harry styles and taylor lautner i mean taylor lautner is one of the only relationships she's had that up to up to tom that was immediately discovered by the press as being fake. I mean, that one was so, so obvious that they didn't even, they didn't even try and fake that one for more than like a night. Like they had that planned evening where they like went out together and they went on a quote date. Um, and they called a million, a million photographers to come, you know, catch them or whatever. But then you have Harry Styles who, you know, there are, several songs written about him in 1989 and I mean that was a massive 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 moment for him like all of those songs and people questioning and he basically had to go on his own press tour for her album because he was in so many well he was referenced in so many songs passively I mean there's literally a song on the album one of the best called style like that was a big moment for him And he had nothing, I'm sure, but the utmost respect for her for doing that. Like, I'm sure, you know, obviously in the press, I think in a situation like that, you have to pretend to be upset about it. But Harry Styles had everything to gain from being a part of the 1989 era. Are you kidding? I'll also go out on a limb and say that this was the nail in, I mean, Taylor Swift has had several nails in her coffin. But I think her relationship with Tom was definitely one of them. I mean, it was like, I think she fatigued everybody. You know what I mean? Like, during that let's all collectively hate Taylor Swift together period in 2016, this obnoxious relationship, I think, made it difficult for even her fans to defend her. And it made it easy for people who already didn't like her to just lean in and say, told ya, she's fucking annoying and she's fake. I actually want to stop for a second and read a quote while we're halfway through by this guy named Jack um, Ketsoyan, I believe is how you say his last name, who used to work for PMK uh, BNC Talent Agency. 
they represent Sandra Bullock and Whoopi Goldberg and Keanu and Carrie Underwood, etc. They're major. So he did an interview with the Metro UK last year where he talked about his former job, which was basically to help pair celebrities in these contractual relationships. It says Jack, who previously worked for Hollywood Big Dog's PMK BNC talent agency, which represents the likes of Cameron Diaz, explains relationships of this ilk have, have evolved over the years. Once employed to hide the fact that an actor was yet to come out as gay, it's to be able to sell the hype of it, whether a concert, album, or getting people to see the movie, it's all about the height of it at the moment. The main clue you would see is a high-profile male dating a woman who was not high, high, no, high-profile, and all of a sudden, overnight, they're the most talked-about girl in Hollywood. The women end up taking the deal in order, be, order to become a star, with Jack admitting one of his clients benefited so much uh, that she is now a household name. It was more of a mutual agreement between the agent and we had a male who actually had a movie coming out and it was getting a lot of bad reviews and slack and they wanted to make the negativity of the movie go away and make it more about him. We found him a girl, a one-year deal. He finished off the press a, uh, a bit. A, the, 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 he finished off the press a little bit after that and they went their separate ways. She did not want to do a two-year deal even though we wanted her to. It worked, and not only did the press no longer give a flying flop about the lackluster movie, the woman in the situation went from being the third build after any audition to being a leading lady. He went on to say that a script is also pretty common, um, so that if an interviewer decides to, you know, not feed into the bullshit, which rarely happens, but, you know, they'll be prepared if they decide to throw a question at them that wasn't planned or that they didn't know was going to happen or um, that is like a little bit off the cuff. And he also said that, Sex can be written into the contract, but typically not, um, it's typically not, not the case in a situation like this where it's done like legally. Um, when you have like a yacht girl situation where there's like girls, like Instagram girls or like socialite girls or just like a female celebrity who maybe isn't making as much money as she made 10 years ago, who has done music or whatever, um, when they're being paid to basically hang out with wealthy businessmen on yachts, like that's a different situation, but this is contractual. Like this is literally like, if this doesn't work out, we can go to court and head and, and settle it, you know, quietly situation. Now I want to move on for a second because again, we have covered this couple in the past, but I didn't really emphasize when we spoke about them previously, um, the fakeness of their relationship. It was more about like the weirdness surrounding it. But we're going to talk for a quick second again about Tom and Katie. I can't quit them and not from Vanderpump Rules, you fuckers. Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. This is a classy podcast. What is there to say about this relationship aside from literally everything? Another couple that we've spoken about, of course, but you know, I mentioned that when they first got together, Tom, you know, was promoting one of the Mission Impossible films. And it was rumored, I think the only thing I really mentioned about it was that it was rumored that it could possibly be fake, um, especially because Katie was rumored to be in the movie. Like, she auditioned for it or something and didn't get it. So people were like, well, obviously, this relationship is pressed for Mission Impossible. That, of course, didn't come into fruition because Katie gave up her acting career to be in this marriage upon the request of uh, Tom, and, um, but it was still one of the weirdest, most non-romantic relationships I think Hollywood has maybe ever seen. Um, 
you know, we know for sure that the church was scouting women for Tom and that that's how they find girls for him. So it's not like, you know, she was chosen because Tom, like, saw her and Cupid fucking stabbed his ass. Like, she was chosen because it was determined by a team of people that she would be a good girl and represent Scientology on the arm of the man who is determined to be the leader of the church. We also learned later that, you know, they had some form of a marriage contract written up, which detailed Katie getting bonuses and financial rewards for having more children. Like, that's factual. Um, As long as she, you know, fulfilled her part of the agreement uh, to, you know, be a good girl and not speak out of turn and not speak poorly about Scientology and not talk to suppressive people and whatever, like really follow the rules and stay in line. Like there was big financial gain for her at the end of it. That was what was determined. They also, by the way, had a prenup that filled several boxes. I think they said it was like five or six boxes. They had a prenuptial agreement, a piece of paper that most people slide to and from across a long table in an uh, in an office environment and they all sign they had several boxes of a prenuptial agreement insane so the beginning of the relationship was also drenched in all of this like scientology driven bullshit you know that of course the church thinks like will make the public swoon but actually just grosses everybody out Katie did that very iconic, super weird interview with W Magazine where, you know, she refused to answer any of the interviewer's questions, really. And she just sort of boomeranged everything back to how amazing Tom is. The woman could have said, like, have you taken a shit today? And she would somehow relate it back to how amazing Tom's shit was today. Tom makes her laugh. Tom makes her a better person. Tom is so giving. Tom is so smart. He's so wise. (laughs) he's my man he's my man oh iconic that's like one of my favorite things like that moment is one of my hands down top four I would say top three moments of this podcast reading that because I didn't know that that Katie said that and I I never see her and don't think of it he's my man he's my man um and then you had Tom who was like performing what he interpreted a man in love to look like by jumping on Oprah's couch after, by the way, chasing her around Harpo Studios and strong arming her into a smooch. (laughs) I mean, it's, you can't, it's insane. And that's something that I don't think that I, I, I leaned into enough when we talked about this before. During that moment, Tom was presenting what he thought a a happily married man looks like that's what he was doing he was giving you a stage production of happy man in a relationship and that makes it even more dark that that's what tom cruise thinks a normal man in a normal relationship looks like with a woman And the thing that confirms that this relationship was fake for me is the fact that Katie went into the marriage planning her divorce. We didn't really talk about that enough either. 
Remember when we spoke about the fact that Tom had no idea that Katie was planning on divorcing him? And, you know, when the time came, the divorce only took like a week and a half because she was silently planning her escape with her dad, the iconic Toledo lawyer. She was secretly planning her escape since the day she met him. And she pulled the rug from under Tom Cruise and he had no idea that she was going to do this to him. And the way she, t I mean, there should be a fucking movie made about the way Katie Holmes wiggled her way out of that church. It is, it's better than any action thriller I think I've ever seen. Okay, let's move on. This is another one of those couples that I um, would never, could never, will never devote an hour of my time to as if I would never. But they're worth 10 minutes. Let's talk for a quick second about Ryan Seacrest and Julian Hoff. Hoff. Ho. Ha ha ha! Julian Hoff. Hoff. Um, she's like sort of the perfect... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna speak my thoughts and if it's politically incorrect like you can be upset with me I'm going to speak my feelings as if I was at a kitchen table because that's what this podcast is Julianne Hauf is the perfect beard for, to me if I was a closeted man in Hollywood I would marry Julianne Hauf she's very non-threatening in a way like in the way that you kind of forget that she exists until somebody says her name or you see her on TV and you're like, oh yeah, she's alive. You know, people don't really seek out information on her because why would you? Um, you know, she's relevant enough that whoever she's dating, it feels appropriate, I guess. Like you could literally tell me that she was seen like giving David Hasselhoff a hand job on the beach and I, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like she's just, she's the perfect arm candy like she's just I don't I do you know what I'm trying to say I don't know how to explain it but it's like she just sort of exists and she's there and she fits in in whatever room you bring her into but like not too much like she's she's like uh, whatever um you know Ryan Seacrest dates all these like Victoria's Secret models and Playboy you know playmates and you know but his relationships are always shrouded in all this really intense secrecy and, and mystery and he has the most mysterious, weird relationships. And he also, by the way, has been accused of sexual assault. I mean, Ryan Seacrest was this fucking close to being Me too Do you remember that? And then we all moved on from it. He was, I mean, literally a sneeze away from his entire career being kaputs. And I don't know what happened, but we were all just like, well, let you go, Ryan Seacrest. Okay. You better get back on the E-red carpet. Um, so Sarah Jean Underwood, who was a, she was a Playboy Playmate, play, <laughs> a Playboy Plymouth, um, she went on Howard Stern and basically said that in the two years that she was dating him, they never once had sex and that she only remembers kissing him a few times in two years. I would like to know more. I would like to know more about what goes on in Ryan Seacrest's home. And I would like to know why his relationships are so... I would like to know why he almost got me to it and we just decided to back off from it. I would like to know why his relationships... Why it's a requirement that who he dates... It has to be so... 
mysterious. I mean, like, when you look at him, somebody who is, I mean, he's basically, people call him the Dick Clark of this generation, but, like, I think even more so, he's, like, the Regis. Like, he is this generation's Regis. I think that he will break Regis Philbin's record of being the most, I'm, the most televised person. I don't know if that's happened yet, but I do remember that Regis was in Guinness for being, having the most hours spent on television of any person in history. And I think Ryan Seacrest will break that for sure. So it's just funny that a person who's so out there and so, um, he's so accessible all the time and he'll pimp his relationships out. I mean, I remember when Julian used to show up in the audience of American Idol and he would go out there and, and kiss her and do little dumb shit and make the audience think that they were cute or whatever. Like he'll pimp out his relationships and whatever, but they're also very secretive and weird and, and like private in a way that's not like normal celebrity private. It's like weird. Um, anyway, that's all they're getting. Like I said, could you imagine if I did an entire hour on fucking Ryan Seacrest and Julian? Hi, let's move on to Black China and Rob, a couple that lots of people speculate for some reason that there's something fishy going on with it. And I can't get to the bottom of what it is. It would really take a strong-minded individual to convince me that this was a real relationship based out of love. I mean, really, like Tom Girardi and Aaron Brockovich herself would have to sit across from me in a boardroom and present me with facts. I would need spreadsheets. I would need databases. <laughs> I need pie charts and all that. Um, As soon as they started dating, reports started to surface that China had trademarked Angela Renee Kardashian to use for entertainment purposes. They immediately had a reality show about their relationship. And for what? Like at that point, Rob was cloaked in his black Hanes t-shirts. He never left the house. He never spoke above a mumble. Rob Kardashian has to be one of on the surface, the most uninteresting people to ever exist in the history of the world. He literally is a, he is void of personality. It's null. Like his biggest issue in life has always been that he is lost and doesn't know who he is because he literally is a Frankenstein. He has no personality. There's nothing going on there. The thought, I, I don't know who, I mean, obviously China was like the draw because Rob Kardashian could never, would never, and will never have a reality show spinoff on his own. But that show really just proved my point that he is a mumbling fool. And immediately after giving birth, she moved out of the house and took the child and all of their furniture with her. I mean, like, hi, hi. You know what I mean? Like China was almost like, you know, the thing you have to hand it to China is that she was, she was basically as unapologetic as she could be without just saying it that she was using Rob. And it's like something that so many people do in the industry. And it's something that the Kardashians have done to many people, but you have to like pretend that you're not doing it. And she, you know, she put on a, a, a good little show for the world or whatever, but just a real half-assed show. Like she was like, yeah, I mean, I'm fucking him because I want his money. I want that name. I want to be a Kardashian. Like, I, and I get it. Okay, let's move on to J-Lo and Drake. Can we talk for a second? 
Because relationships like this are actually the reason that I wanted to do this episode. Like, this is... Ugh, they keep me up at night. They enrage me. And not because of the people involved. It's not like JLo and Drake are doing something so terrible. They're just seeking out publicity. They're just being celebrities. I get angry because... Why are we so fucking stupid? Why can't we look at something like this so blatant and say, ah, I'm not going to give it any attention. It doesn't deserve it. It's so clearly fake. Instead, we give them exactly what they want. Tons of promotion. Oh my God. So much promotion. A hundred million likes on a stupid fucking in quotes candid photo of him holding her while he's like menacing into the camera we allowed these fools to create massive headlines but then but then this is the kicker this is where like it really is, is, is it's hysterical you can't help but laugh then after giving them all this promotion and you know the photo being covered on e-news and blah 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 whatever then we decided to roll our eyes when it was announced that they were releasing a song together. What did you expect, mama? What the fuck did you expect? Now we're angry, because uh, all of a sudden it seems fishy. It wasn't fishy before that out of, literally out of thin air, out of nowhere, two people who have never been photographed together candidly, we've never seen them at a, at a, at a dinner, we've never seen you know Jennifer leaving his house in sweatpants, we've never seen him you know, hold her hand in public, all of a sudden they are snuggled up next to a fireplace and they are in a relationship that they're announcing publicly via Instagram, Drake and JLo. And we eat it up. We eat it up with a fucking spoon. And then when they decide that they're going to release a song, which is very clearly the point of doing something so fucking dumb, then we are angry. We're all pissed off because we feel slighted. Like, what? Honestly, the best thing to come out of this was Rihanna unfollowing Jennifer Lopez on Instagram because she had broken girl code. <laughs> and in the words of uh, Luann Delicep, she had to let her go. She had to let her go. Um, and again, I like, I, there's no, you couldn't pay me to do an entire episode on JLo and Drake. I would rather fucking drink bleach. So that was the five minutes that they deserved. Let's move on. A couple that I have wanted to revisit for a long time. I don't even think it was that long ago that I did this, but I, I, it has bothered me very intensely a lot. Like I literally was like, I want to take this episode down. Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. It pains me because like I said earlier, I'm in such a different headspace with both of these people. And I actually had the nerve, the audacity, the gall to believe that this was a real couple. I actually had the nerve that this was some sort of love story. How foolish of me. Like, what an idiot I was like a year ago. This goes without saying. Again, the two leads of High School Musical are so, they have so much chemistry on set that they can't help it, and everybody sees the sparks. Everybody knows it's going to happen. Their chemistry is too palpable. 
And if you want to see it, you should watch High School Musical. And, you know, what are the odds that they break up as soon as the franchise ends? Hmm. And they even went a step further in this relationship, you know, in saying that, you know, the nude photos that Vanessa had leaked to the public were taken by or for Zach. As if. As if. You think Zach Efron was standing there with a fucking pink Nokia, like, early 2000s digital camera with the, the strap thing on his wrist taking nude photos of her? I, I, I highly doubt it. Now, here's what I will say. There is some really, 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 really interesting, I mean, really, really, really fascinating, extremely damaging and super sad information about Zac Efron on the internet that dates back to like 2007. Because Zac Efron has an amazing team of people behind him that scrub the internet of everything going on with him. He has been able to exist as these two people for so long. You know, Zac Efron has had so many intense struggles with addiction. He's gone to rehab so many times. He's had issues with alcohol, with heroin, with pills. I mean, it it's really been a struggle for him. And a lot of it, I'm going to allow you to do your own digging. Um, but it's worth looking up because it's very, I mean, I get trapped into Zac Efron, um, like rabbit holes constantly. Like if I send my friend Katie a picture of Zac Efron or like a quote from some website or whatever, she knows that I'm in like a dark place, especially if it's like 4.30 in the morning, I'm not doing well. Um, what I will say is that you should YouTube Kenny Ortega. He is the man who was responsible for discovering Zac Efron. He um, directed and produced or whatever High School Musical. He is basically like the man at Disney. Um, he's a choreographer. I mean, he's he's a big deal. And he's been accused of basically everything that you possibly can be accused of. This man is undeniably a predator. He's disgusting. Um a lot of people have come forward about him and said that he molested them and raped them or whatever, but he's really, really, really powerful. And um, if you look at, so what I would suggest you do is YouTube, uh, just YouTube his name, just YouTube Kenny Ortega. And the very first thing that will pop up is a video of him and an actress named Dove Cameron, who you would probably know from, um, she's in Disney stuff, she was in, uh, what is that thing called? Um, uh, that fucking movie, Ugh. The Descendants. She's the lead in The Descendants. In every interview where Kenny Ortega is there for Dove Cameron to be interviewed or whatever, whether it's Good Morning America, you know, a late show, whatever, he violently gropes her on national, like on live TV to the point that like you see Robin Roberts looking like, what the fuck is going on? You see Diane Sawyer looking at his arm and looking at behind the camera and saying, what the fuck is going on? You see other castmates trying to maneuver and do things to help her. You see people, you know, holding her body while he holds her just so that she knows it's okay. This is shit happening on Good Morning America. Like, 
he that's how shameless he is on TV. So you can imagine what this guy is like in private. I, I really can't even fathom it. Like young, I've seen like young people looking up on the internet, like you know, a message board saying like, "Is Kenny Ortega dating Dove Cameron?" And it's like, no, he's not dating her. Nope. Um, I think that this man is responsible for the downfall of so many Disney stars, and you know, a lot of them have come forward. But it's like he, like I said, he's really powerful. But I do think that his day will come. I think that he's going to be Harvey Weinstein for sure. Um, by the way, The Descendants also starred Cameron, uh, is it Boyce? Is how you say his last name? Who passed away recently of a seizure and like literally right before he died, like came forward and said that all of his managers and the people that were adults, a part of his team, were like basically pimping him out and like passing him around to all these people and like selling him like literally he was like currency like he had been trained from a really young age to know how to like please all of these old men um so it's just really dark and I guess you know that's Disney (laughs) you know it's sad but like yeah I think that um I think that a lot of darkness follows Zac Efron and I think that it has for a long time and I just feel really bad for him. And I'll never forget one reading this interview once where this person um, like went to his house and just said like, I actually think the interview was called like the sadness of Zac Efron or something, but they, they wrote about like the sadness behind his eyes, like that he just comes off as this, you know, forever um, just sad, miserable person. And I think that Zac Efron is somebody who is definitely trapped by fame um, I think that if he had it his way, his whole career would be different. And, you know, I don't think that Zac Efron gets to make a lot of the choices that he makes career wise himself. I think that I just think that there's a lot going on with Zac Efron that you should read about on your own. That is like actually too salacious for this podcast, but like do whatever you feel that you need to do. Um, let's talk for a quick second about your girl, Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Now, this isn't going to be what you think it is. I've talked about Jennifer on this podcast before, and I've shown restraint in class, so just stop. Did you forget about this one? Did you forget about the fact that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn started dating after they, after, during, like, the breakup? Did you forget that your girl was in a PR relationship? Not on my watch. This is, you know, the beginning of... First of all, let me just say that Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston starred in a film called The Breakup a year after her divorce from Brad Pitt. And so begins the narrative that Jennifer is, you know, one of the characters in her romantic comedies, basically, that she is this hopeless romantic who can't seem to find the right guy. Like, will she ever find love? Will she, you know, will she ever find the one true love? Will it ever happen? And that slowly became, oh, oh my God, Jennifer Aniston's pregnant. She's expecting twins. I'm so excited. By the way, false alarm. Jennifer Aniston is not pregnant. Just kidding. Jennifer Aniston's pregnant. She's having a baby. Finally, our girl's pregnant. She found love. Fuck. It was a false alarm. Jennifer Aniston is not pregnant. If you Google Jennifer Aniston pregnant, you will see articles. I mean, that happens to so many people. 
But Jennifer Aniston cons- consistently has, and I don't know how, I think that you really have to be a smart person to, like, to have this happen and to have had this happen for so long and people not clock you. And people do clock Jennifer Aniston for it, but for the most part, the general public is so in love with her that they look past it. Jennifer Aniston has had the same stories recycled in the press for around 16 years, repeatedly, literally weekly. It's not yearly, it's not monthly, it's, it's daily, basically. Daily, you see news about Jennifer Aniston, you know, not being able to find love. Jennifer Aniston falling in love. Is he the right guy? We'll never know. Oh, he broke her heart. It'll never happen for her. She's so beautiful. Why can't she land a guy? Oh my goodness, Jennifer Aniston was seen talking to Brad Pitt. And I cannot believe that you guys are fucking falling for this again right now. You're falling for this again. This is why I don't like Jennifer Aniston. It's because of you. It's not because of her. It's because of you. You're falling for this again. Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt are not getting back together. Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt don't only see each other at award shows. Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt touching arms at the Golden Globes red carpet doesn't mean anything. But this story has been sold daily for 15 years that she's texting Brad and he calls her and he wants her and she wants him and Angelina knows, but she won't let it happen. She's going to like this whole thing, this narrative for 15 years. It's exhausting. I can't believe it's still happening. I cannot believe it's still happening, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Ugh, maybe I don't have, I don't have any class or restraint when it comes to her. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's crazy that this person triggers me so much, but I do just want to make one point before we move on from that, <laughs> that, who do you think profits the most from these Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Angelina stories? Who do you think profits the most? Are you done guessing? I'm going to tell you. Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, and Angelina Jolie profit the most from these stories because they're harmless. It's a harmless narrative that will never die. It's not like a Britney is crazy narrative or, um, you know, Paris is a slutty idiot narrative that will never die that you have to, you know, constantly fight for. This is a narrative that they can easily live in comfortably and snuggle up with as they have for 15 years. This narrative that Jennifer had a man stolen from her by Angelina and Angelina doesn't mind. I don't think Angelina minds having that narrative in the press that she's like a man eater and that she stole Brad. And, you know, Brad being this guy that had two women pulling him in both ways and this narrative has, they have prospered off of this story immensely for so long. I would actually love to see, I would love for an oracle to tell me what movies would Angelina, Jennifer, and Brad, what what films would they not have been privy to had this situation not happened? How famous would Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and Jennifer Aniston still be 15 years later had that not happened? And how much financially have they gained from that story that just beat to death story that obviously has been proven time and time again. It doesn't matter how much time passes because you guys are at this moment right now 
Instagram storying a picture of Brad and Jennifer at the fucking Golden Globes. They're going to be 90 years old, still giving you the will they, won't they? They are, I mean, like, why would they not? You eat it up. You eat it up like slop. (sighs) (laughs) Fuck, I knew that was going to happen. Fuck. I thought I was above it and I'm not. Eh, Oh, well. Um, Rumors basically started to surface that Jennifer Aniston had fallen in love on the set of this movie with Vince Vaughn. Um, Because again, their chemistry was so palpable and so intense that they couldn't, they couldn't not bring it off screen. And they, of course, denied it because why would they not? It adds so much more to the media speculation. And because of this PR stunt that they were dating, the film got a million times more publicity than it would have otherwise. And the breakup is one of the most successful films in Jennifer Aniston's entire career um, because of the speculation surrounding it that this was you know, that she was going to, like, marry Vince Vaughn, and this was going to be her next really intense long-term relationship post-Brad, especially this is a year after the divorce, so, like, you know, we were, the the wounds were still fresh, and, uh, yeah. Now, I told you that we were going to save the best for last. (laughs) Um, you guys, we're going to talk for a second, for a little bit longer than a second, actually. This is a longer episode than I expected it to be. But we're going to talk about Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra. Look, in my opinion, this is, and this is just me. You don't have to agree. I'm just telling you how I feel. This is one of the most absurd fake celebrity relationships that I've seen in my days. I cannot tell you how uncomfortable this couple makes me. When I see them on a red carpet at an award show, I want to die. I want to die for them because they're terrible at pretending to me. And I guess the reason this one upsets me a lot is because it's really gaining traction. And I feel like there's like two sides to this where it's like there are people who look at this and laugh at it. There's a lot of people on the internet who laugh at this relationship. There are a lot of publications who laugh at this relationship. I've read interviews or not interviews, but... um. Um, I've read articles from Cosmo and all kinds of, um, what, what's happening to me? I'm, uh, God, I, Jennifer just fucking, I, I, it's like, I can't, I can't talk about her on the podcast. I really can't. I have read all kinds of shit about this couple being fake articles where people are just like, no, this isn't real. Like there's no possible way. This is a troll, but either way, it really seems to be working out for them, you know, positively. So let's just start with this one from the beginning. So she showed up to the Met Gala with him in 2017 and told Jimmy Kimmel that they had just decided last minute to go together as friends because they were sitting at a table together at some event and realized that they were both wearing Ralph Lauren. Let's just pause for a fucking second and analyze the absurdity of that statement. Because the Met Gala is like showing up to a fucking backyard barbecue. And you can just say, hey, want to go together? You're wearing Ralph Lauren. Oh, you want to go together? Like, that's really not how that works at all. These things are all planned pretty far in advance. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Like, maybe she lied because, you know, she didn't want anybody to know. And that's where you're wrong. Because they wanted everybody to know. They wanted people to ask. They wanted people to speculate. 
They wanted press, gal. They wanted it bad. After the Met Gala, they attended the Dodgers game together and a Beauty and the Beast concert at the Hollywood Bowl. And they also left these really, really over-the-top flirty comments on each other's Instagrams. And, you know, that was reported on fucking tirelessly. For example, she posted a video of him performing at a Jonas Brothers concert and uh, captioned it him with, like, heart emoji eyes. And then he, the same night, posted the same thing of her, like, walking towards his phone and wrote her heart emoji eyes. Like, just really, like, unapologetic, you know? And little did we know it was about to get much worse. Their engagement was extremely public from the start and heavily, heavily, heavily covered by the Indian Express. Um, The story they sold to the tabloids was that he shut down Tiffany's and told her to pick a ring. That's very important. You have to remember that. Um, They wasted no time at all making this relationship as public as they physically could immediately. And that should be red flag number one. You know, typically a celebrity couple, especially an A-list celebrity couple, will take a little time to sort of assess the situation and ease the public into their relationship. They don't like, you know, the day, it just, it was heavy handed. You know what I mean? There was nobody manning this that had any chill or restraint or class. Now, what we really need to talk about is their sponsored wedding. Just about every aspect of this wedding was sponsored shamelessly by brands. Shamelessly. The wedding registry was sponsored by Amazon. Lime Bike and Elite Vodka supplied alcohol and scooters for the bachelor party, to which Nick posted a photo of himself on Instagram standing next to all these scooters that said, I was searching for a fun way for my groomsmen to get ready to roll. Hashtag Lime Bike. Havana Club sponsored her bachelorette party. Tiffany's was referenced and hashtagged so many times that I was like, well, obviously there's a Tiffany's commercial coming. I mean, at this point, if there isn't, like, what a waste of time. Um, during the planning of the the wedding and the the actual execution of the wedding. I mean, it was a, it was literally a Tiffany's event. Um, and this is something that you would see from somebody like Sheena Shea. Like if Sheena Shea got married right now to like a bachelor contestant, she would do this shit. Cause that's what you do when you're a reality star or a D-lister. You unapologetically hashtag, you know, fucking flat tummy tea and, you know, hair grow nail fucking gummies or whatever at your wedding. Like, you literally walk down the down the aisle holding teal gummies. That's what you do, because you're desperate. But when you're an A-lister, this is almost unheard of. You know what I mean? Even, like, B-listers do shit like this, but of course they do. Speaking of, Julianne Ha did the same thing. Her wedding was sponsored by Wayfair, and she posted a sponsored ad that was her wedding photo. I'm like, what? Um... People Magazine was hired to cover their bridal shower, which was held at the Blue Box Cafe inside, you guessed it, Tiffany's. 
Um, she was also loaned $1 million in jewelry for the wedding shower to be photographed in. I mean, it was like nothing about this wasn't an ad. Um, she told People Magazine, this is amazing. This is at her shower, by the way. This is a quote from the day of. I've always known it had to be Tiffany. I just knew it since I was a kid. First, it was breakfast at Tiffany's that did it for every little girl in the world. And then, of course, Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) That came and put a stamp on it. And I was like, it has to be Tiffany. Also, Amazon makes sense for a registry for me because there's such an incredible, they have such incredibly interesting things that you can find. And it's all under one roof. These are the kind of things that I want to build my home. (laughs) The Cut actually ended up writing a really controversial article about the wedding after all this came out that basically alleged that they were doing all all of it, you know, for publicity or whatever. And, you know, to which the general public reacted really poorly to. And that's when I learned that this is, like, actually a couple that has, like, some really serious, like, star power. Because people were really, really upset by the idea that they would even question that this was a real wedding. Um, and mind you, the article was very poorly written and the girl who wrote it, like, didn't really put any effort into like researching. Like she was totally off about certain things that kind of, um, clouded her point. Like she was talking about how over the top and opulent the wedding was and how like obnoxious that was. And people were like, well, she's Indian and like, it's a part of Indian culture to have opulent weddings. So like you're racist. And I think like the message became like lost in translation, but I, I, I believe what she was trying to say was that this just feels very over the top in a celebrity way, not in like a cultural way. Like Celine Dion's wedding was over top, over the top in a way that I would expect this one to be like opulent, not like spawn con. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like Celine Dion being like rode into her wedding on horses and having it cost like several million dollars and having the whole town you know, out, like, a city of people literally outside watching, like, it's, like, Princess Die, like, opulent, over the top, gold everywhere, like, that was Celine Dion's wedding, a million costume changes, like, just absurdity, literally absurdity, that is an over-the-top wedding, this, this was a sponsored event, this was a, 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 a soulless sponsored event, um, and, if that wasn't enough for you to believe that this is a ridiculous relationship, please, for the love of God, you already have YouTube up because you've been looking up stuff about Kenny Ortega. Can we talk? Because you've seen it now. I know that you stopped me to look because I intrigued you. Can we talk about Kenny Ortega and that girl? Poor thing. Is that not a violent grope? I mean, he every time he interviews her, he wraps his arm around her stomach pulls her really intensely into him and then just like feels all over her body while they're talking and what can she do she has to just stand there and not make it awkward anyway please for the love of god while you have youtube up please if you didn't watch the golden globes red carpet look up nick and priyanka at the fucking red carpet it is it's unbearable it is insane Oh my God, it was so uncomfortable. They were giving all of these like really awkward answers and, you know, answering things at the same time, but giving two different answers that like would cancel out each other's because they weren't planned for certain things. People were asking them. There was an Access Hollywood interviewer um, that when they walked up, they were like, and hey, by the way, we heard 
talking about the loving in the limo. <laughs> like, alluding to the fact that there was a rumor going around that they fucked in the limo while she's in, like, a corseted gown. Like, okay. And they both stared at each other really awkwardly because they didn't know how to answer. And Nick, I think, was going to try and, like, at least give it a go and, like, go along with it. And Priyanka goes, oh, you mean on the way to the Met Gala? And then she realized that that's not what they were talking about. And she goes, oh, wait, yeah, the loving on the way here. Oh, yes, our loving. Yes, we had loving. Like, it's just so fake and uncomfortable. And Helen Keller would be able to look at it and say, this is some bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, And then they were asked by the cameras to kiss. And they just stared at each other super awkwardly. And she, like, leaned away and blamed it on her lipstick. She said she didn't want to get her lipstick messed up. You could tell that he felt very uncomfortable kissing her, almost like, I'm sorry. It was like a petty, like a, 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 a petty kiss. Oh, it was so uncomfortable. Oh, um, before we end, I do have some honorable mentions. They're ones that I really honestly just like didn't feel like talking about. Honorable mention, Katy Perry and Riff Raff, like pretty fucking absurd, like just... Uh, again, not talking about that. I wouldn't give that an hour and I wouldn't give that three minutes, honestly. Um, Kaylee Cuoco and Henry Cavill. I mean, like, really absurd. Again, I'm sorry. Uh, Kendall Jenner and Harry Styles, enough. Thank you, Jimmy Fallon, for the 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 fun rump, rump room games or whatever. We don't care. Enough. Let's be done with that. Enough. And last but not least, Michelle Rodriguez and Zac Efron. Again, if you feel like reading some dark shit, um, I would advise reading about Zac and Michelle Rodriguez. There's some just horrifically dark shit behind that relationship as well. And that ends this episode 126 of this mushroom, you guys. I'm so happy that that rat invaded my bedroom because this was so fun. And I want to do more episodes like this again in the future. These short little like hit it and quit it type things. I love you very, very much. And um, I want to stop talking now. So I'm going to end the podcast because it's mine and I can do things like that. Bye. Thank you for listening to This Mushroom, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Also be sure to head over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.